So today we remember and we honor a day that, quite frankly, we as Christians, that is, born-again followers of Jesus Christ, we should remember and honor this day every day of our lives, right? It should affect the way that we live. He is risen. It is a powerful truth that really should have some sort of powerful effect or some sort of impact on the way that we live every day of our lives. And that is what we will take a look at today. In years past, I'd I'd have us look at the facts of the resurrection. But this morning, I'd like us to, to think about the effects of the resurrection. That is, how has it affected our lives on a daily basis? Or how does it, or does it affect our lives on a daily basis? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does the scripture say about this? The resurrection effect. Well, open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start there this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll start reading down in verse 20. In verse 20 it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, the Word of God here, through the Apostle Paul, first states a fact, and that is, is that Christ is risen from the dead. But in addition to this, it states that he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now that word first fruits was a farming term and speaks of the first appearance of a grain of crop. If you look out back behind our house here, the corn has popped up. You know, it's there, it's a couple inches tall back there, right? And that's what that word first fruits speaks of, right? The first appearance of a grain in a crop, right? And the Jews on the day of first fruits would uh, take that first sprout, if you will, and they would go and wave it before the Lord God as an offering, representing the fact that all of the future crop, all of the future of that crop uh, would belong to him as well. They're saying, this is all yours, God. Here's the first fruit. Here's the first little twig, that, the first little blade that's popped up. It's yours, God. It's all yours. That's how they would honor the Lord in that. And this would take place a month before the harvest. And here in verse 20, it is stating that Jesus is the first risen from the dead to then go and return to the Father. He is the first fruits of God's harvest. In this manner, all born-again, spirit-led children of God who have become children of God through repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ, they too will also rise and eternally be with God because of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. He's the first fruits. Verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
So we understand this, right? Since by man, since sin entered the world and destroyed our fellowship with God, so also by a man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh would come, redemption would come, leading to the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam, verse 22 says, that's the, that's the man that brought sin into the world, right? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So think about that. In Adam all die, and in Christ all are made alive. The key then is to be what? In Christ. We need to be in Christ. Without being in Christ, a person is dead because of sin that they live in, because of the sin effect, right? But the death of mankind began with Adam, and life came through Jesus Christ. And verse 23 says, But each one in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits. Okay, so talking about the resurrection, start it with Christ, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Do you see that? Those that belong to Christ at His coming, at the time of His coming. So Paul is establishing an order here in this writing. But some may say here, well, what about all the people that died and came back to life before Christ and even after Christ? There are cases in the Bible of this, aren't there? But you see, the resurrection that Paul speaks of here is not, is not simply speaking of dying and then coming back to life, to live here on the earth again. This is speaking of dying and then rising to a new body, a spiritual body, to everlasting life. This is what Christ has risen unto. Let's think on that some more. Go ahead and jump down here in this same chapter to verse 42. And I'll let the Scripture explain what I'm talking about here this morning. Down in verse 42, the same chapter, it says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. So that's our focal point at the moment here, right? The resurrection of the dead. And we're going to get an explanation here of what the resurrection of the dead is. Verse 42, the body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So again, we're not talking about dying and then living again here on this earth. We are speaking about the body in this chapter here, the dead body. What happens to these physical bodies? Remember, when a born-again follower of Jesus Christ dies, and I am speaking of that person that has been born of the Spirit of God and has lived this life led by the Spirit, right? Upon their death, we know from the Scripture that they are immediately absent from the body and then present with the Lord. But what about that body that they leave behind? It either could get put into the grave, or some people are cremated. But what about the ashes? What about the DNA? What will happen to that? Verse 23, it is sown in dishonor. Speaking of the body, right? Verse 43, sorry. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. This is the part 
that people so often miss. There is a spiritual body. And verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, Jesus Christ. Now, of course, that's referring to Jesus Christ there as the last Adam. Remember, the apostle who wrote this was establishing an order back there in verse 23 where we read. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. So as it pertains to this physical, the physical body of a born-again person, Adam had, and you and I here today, have a natural body. However, Jesus, when He rose from the dead, He rose to a spiritual body. It, it was still somewhat natural because He rose from the dead and He had flesh and bones. After Jesus had risen from the dead, He appeared to His disciples and they were astonished and amazed, of course, to see Him. And He had, he had to assure them that He wasn't a spirit. Right? And he said to them, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and, blown, f flesh and bones as you see I have. And not only that, he was hungry and he asked them for food. So we know that Jesus did not rise as a spirit only. He rose with a body, but it was a spiritual body in a sense. And Jesus was the first fruit of that kind of body. The first of the harvest that is yet to come. Okay? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. At that time, there's going to be a new body. Verse 47, The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's you and I, as we sit here, stand here in these bodies today, we're made of dust, and it's going to return to the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. In other words, like Jesus is now, as He is right, right now, we're going to be like that. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, Adam, right? We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. You see, thanks be to God that none of us are going into the eternal kingdom of God, that heavenly Jerusalem, with this body that we now have. Praise God for that, right? This body that in which we now indwell is going to be, is not going to be the one that we will occupy for all of eternity. If Christ does not return in our lifetimes, this body as we see it today will return to being dust. Flesh and blood, this flesh and blood as we now have it, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus, like I quoted a moment ago, when He rose from the dead, encouraged His disciples to touch Him. And He said to them that a spirit does not have flesh and bones, right? So there was no indication that Jesus had blood in that, and when he told them to touch flesh and bones here, he said, right, 
the life of the flesh is in the blood today. The life of our flesh is in our blood. If our blood was to all be drained out of us, there is no life in this body of ours, right? But our risen spiritual bodies won't need that life that our blood currently provides for us, right? Because Jesus is a life-giving spirit. And we will have that life of Jesus, that eternal life in us. So we only know very little about all that is to come. So in many ways, we just kind of have to speculate about what's all going to happen with this body and how it's all going to be. We get a little indication, a little clue, but we really don't know much. I don't really know much as we sit here and read all this, but we will have a body in the eternal kingdom of God and it will be a spiritual body according to Jesus and we will be, according to Paul here as he wrote this, and we will be like Jesus. Then as we move on here in verse 51, Paul slips something in here. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. So that word of God is indicating here that there will be some that will still be indwelling their bodies at the return of Christ. But one thing is for sure, whether our bodies are in the grave or we are still indwelling our bodies at the resurrection or at the return, I should say, of Jesus Christ, it is for sure that we will all be changed at that time. Verse 51 there is, uh, you know, it's funny. You see some churches have that hanging over their nursery about the babies, right? Behold, or he says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Speaking of the babies, right? They ain't going to sleep, but they'll all be changed. I, know, I just think that's kind of funny in churches. But, but as it pertains to you and I here this morning, we will obtain a spiritual body. Just as Christ, the first fruit of the harvest, did. Right? In verse 52, how will this happen? When will this happen? In a moment, it says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You see, the physical body is mortal. It's destined to die, to return to the dust. But the body that Christ now has as our risen Lord and that we will have will be immortal, eternally alive. Praise be to God, right? That's the power of the resurrection. So verse 54 says, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the reason we honor the resurrection, not just today, not just on what we call Easter Sunday, but each and every day of our lives that we live, we honor the resurrection in the way that we live. So I said earlier that 
the fact is, is that He is risen. That should have some sort of effect on how we live our lives today. And verse 58 tells us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So how about you and me today? Are we laboring in the Lord? Are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Are we steadfast in the Lord? Are we immovable, as it says there in verse 58, in the Lord? What effect does the resurrection have on you and me today? Are we living like we will inherit this eternal kingdom of God someday? We will be with Him forever. Are we living like it? We know of His death and the reason for it. It was for your sin. It was for my sin. The sin of the whole world that He died. We know too that if Jesus tarries long enough that we too shall die and be buried as He was with this physical body. We will be absent from the body and we will be present with the Lord. But there is a judgment to come as well. This is appointed to all of mankind once to die and afterwards the judgment. It is not, however, appointed that mankind must die a second death. There is a way to be assured of eternal life. This we know from the pages of Scripture as well. A person must repent of their sin and come to a place where they walk the rest of their lives in faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember the thief on the cross acknowledged the Lord Jesus, and that very day he entered paradise with Jesus. His body was left behind. He was absent from his body. He was present with the Lord in paradise. This shall be the case for all of those that live this life all the way till the end, by faith in Jesus Christ and are people that are led by the Holy Spirit. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason that we have this hope of eternal life. Let's look back again earlier in this chapter. Look back with me and let's start reading now in verse 12. So we're staying in the same chapter, just jumping back up to verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That's pretty powerful right there, isn't it? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you are wasting about 40 minutes of your life right now because this whole gathering and all of our Bible studies, for that matter, would be totally in vain if not for the resurrection. Verse 15, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. If I would stand up here and preach that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and preach power in the name of Jesus and because of Jesus, I'd be a false witness of God if not for it being true. 
because he says yes and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen your faith is futile you are still in your sins then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ those who have died right they've perished if not if none of this is true Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. You see, yes, it's true that the death of Jesus satisfied the wrath of the Father for our sins, but the resurrection of Jesus gives us the hope of eternal life with the Father. And it gives us the ability to be spirit-filled people today because our Lord, the life-giving Spirit, is alive and with us today by His Spirit. You see, the resurrection of Jesus has everything to do with an eternal life. But if we're looking for hope, if we're looking for good things in this life only, then we are going to find out that we are very pitiful. Again, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection harvest. As it was with Him, so it will be with those who are in Him at His coming. And the best is yet to come. In Christ, you are not in your sins any longer. So therefore, anyone that is in Christ does not continue to walk in willful sin. Remember, when we are in Christ, we are then to, to live a life that is steadfast, like we read in verse 58. It's immovable. We're always abounding in the work of the Lord because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Right? But there is labor in the Lord. Works do matter. There is an end result to it. And that end result is eternal life. And this is all because of Jesus and His resurrection. So I, feel, so I realize that this is a very unorthodox Easter Sunday teaching. Right? I, I didn't take you to the tomb. I didn't tell you all the facts of the resurrection and all that kind of stuff. Right? But you and I must realize today and every day that there is power to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not risen from the dead... If He is not alive in bodily form and seated at the right hand of the Father of the Majesty on high, then we have no power today. We have no hope today, right? You could say, well, He just died and that was it, right? And maybe His words might have left some influence, but He Himself would have no power in our lives today if not for the resurrection. As born-again, faith-walking believers, we have a relationship today with a living God. He's alive and He's with us by His Spirit. The God who became flesh and dwelt among us. A Savior whom we can know. A Savior who fills us with the power of His Holy Spirit and makes us brand new. Right? And by His Spirit, He transforms us into His likeness. Take a moment and turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you something that the Apostle Paul wrote that was the desire of his heart. This is a man that had committed his whole life to serving Jesus Christ. How did he live? 
And what example do we have in the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and, and in all the writings of the Scriptures? What examples do we have as to how we should live? Well, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Now pause right there. I have to ask myself periodically, does what Paul says here in this verse really pertain to the way that I live? In other words, am I all about Christ, like Paul speaks about here? Are you all about Christ? Are we willing to give up all that we have, all that we are, to gain Christ, to live in the knowledge of Him, to live in His will? This is what He requires. He wants us to put our hands to the plow and not look back. He wants us to take up the cross and follow after Him. Surrender all to Jesus. That's the born-again Christian life. That's what Christianity is. Paul goes on and says in verse 9, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection. Do you see that? And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Doesn't it sound like Paul's here saying, i, I got to keep this course all the way till the end. If by any way I can get there, this is how I've got to live. This is what I've got to do because I'm going to get there. Because I want to be there. Didn't he also say, like I've quoted a few times, that we have to be steadfast, we have to be immovable, we have to be always abounding in the work of the Lord? This is how we must live in order to attain the resurrection from the dead. We must fight the fight. We must continue in the faith. The living God indwells us by His Spirit. He is our helper. He's taking us to that day. He's taking us to that place, but we must stay the faith. We must stay the course. We can't go back and live as we once lived without Christ. I need you to look at another scripture with me here this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans before 1 Corinthians. We're looking for Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look down at verse 11. Romans 8, 11. It says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You see, you can have the resurrection power in your life today. 
And notice that there are some ifs in this. But if, verse 11 again, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he also, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. But here's the key. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Right? So let me read that again because I kind of messed it up. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Okay, pause right there real quickly because this is the opposite of the resurrection power, right? When we live according to the flesh, we are not experiencing the power of the resurrection. Let me repeat that. When we live according to the flesh, we are not experiencing the power of the resurrection. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you got to put to death the deeds of the body. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So that's how you know who the children of God are. The ones that are led by the Spirit. The ones who put to death the deeds of the body. So again, the resurrection power that Paul wanted to know, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us. But we must put to death the deeds of the body. What we do, how we live, does matter. So we've seen today that there will be a bodily resurrection someday. Our mortal bodies will indeed put on immortality. But we also see today that if we put to death the deeds of the body now, and if we are led by the Spirit, we can know today the power of the resurrection. So again, I didn't go over with you today all the facts of the resurrection here this morning. That is, I didn't take you to the story found in the Gospels, right? Instead, I've given you a brief look at the effects of the resurrection on our lives. You see, it will be a glorious day when we are finally with Him for all of eternity. Whether we die or whether we're raptured out of here on the last day that Paul spoke of, right? But there is an abundant life that we can have in Christ today. And this comes through knowing the power of His resurrection in our everyday lives. It was Paul's desire to know this kind of life. He was willing to forsake all else in order just to know the power of the resurrection. That's what he wanted. Nothing else in life. Everything else is rubbish, he said. It's just garbage. It's nothing. I just want to know the power of the resurrection. That's what it's like for the person that wants to come to Christ. They're they're done with this life. They're done with serving themselves. They're done with the sin of this world. And they're repenting and they're coming to God and saying, it's all about you now, Lord. Let me know that resurrection power within me. And the question that I pose for all of us here this morning is, is that our desire as well? Christ, the first fruits, has gone before us. He has shown us the way. He is the way. 
the truth, and the life. We must now remain in Him. We must now walk daily in Him, led by His Spirit, and we will know the power of the resurrection. So as we remember this day, again, I kind of struggle with just setting aside one day. It's like, I know this sounds kind of crazy, you know, and I'll probably be judged for this, but Easter doesn't mean all that much to me. It's not all that much to me because it's an everyday thing. The power of the resurrection is an everyday thing. I mean, you know, we can do all these other things. It's all great. We gather, we eat, we, we, we celebrate one another, we love one another, we have fellowship with one another. It's all good. But otherwise, if there's no resurrection power in our lives, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, then our lives are pitiful. If this is all there is, if this body is all I get, right? This decaying body, this is all I have, if this is all there is to it, we're, piti we're pitiful, right? But that's not all there is. And there is a power to the resurrection. And Christ in us is our hope of glory. But we have to make that choice to say, I surrender all. I'm giving up all to follow Christ. I'm taking up the cross and I'm following after Him. I'm not looking back to the things of this world any longer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just pray Your will to be done in our hearts, Lord. Even as we've studied Your Word this morning, Lord, even as we've looked at the Scriptures, God, let Your will be done in our hearts, Lord. Just let it be done, Lord. I pray, Lord, for, for all of us to come to the end of our flesh, ourselves, Lord, to die to ourselves, to take up the cross, to follow after You, Jesus. You promise us an abundant life in You. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, your word tells us. God, I pray that you will make people new today, God. That today would be a day of salvation for people. Today would be a day of repentance for people. That they would turn their eyes unto you and fix their eyes on you as the author and the finisher of their faith. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray your blessings upon the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.